time it is uh it's a little it's a little cold out here i have my uh i have my hoodie on you have a hood on yeah i, I have a hood any winter you have on. a red light shining on your face you look like like something out of uh i don't know it's, it's for, actually this is probably the first time i've seen you on skype yeah. <laughs> in months usually it's just pitch black and i'm just yeah, talking to a voice dark. yeah it's like i'm talking to charlie Charlie's Angels, but yeah, it's uh, you can see me pretty bright too. I just noticed. So anyway, so uh, it's Bulls in the Ring. Uh, fall is officially here. It's it's uh, after the what do they call it? The Fall Equinox, September twenty first. I don't know. I just know we're throwing in fire. <laughs> yeah, that's all I remember. Yeah. And uh, well, it's. Uh, I actually went to. Um, I went to Spirit Halloween last Friday. I went to the one that you went to in Riverdale, New Jersey. And uh, I actually, I didn't end up getting anything. And I kind of planned to. I, I wanted to take home some, but I ended up not taking home anything. We looked for a, um, a costume for my daughter, but we we didn't really find anything. Um, they, I tell you something, they have, uh, they have a lot of Killer Clown stuff, and it kind of... You know, I brought this point up to you a couple weeks ago when you went. Yes. And that's, you know, like, I kind of hate it. You know, I like it, and I hate it. Because I've I've been a fan of that movie probably since late 80s, early 90s. Oh, yeah. I, I remember it was used to be on, H, it used to be on HBO constantly. And I remember I recorded off HBO. I had it on a VHS tape with uh, with No Holds Barred. So that's oh wow. Yeah, I had to, it was a, it was a back to back B movie feature, and I had them on the same tape together. And um, I would watch it constantly. Me and my sister would watch it constantly. To the, to this day, we still quote lines from that movie. And it wasn't until maybe I guess I don't know maybe like last fifteen years it really kind of became more acceptable in uh, in the pop culture atmosphere yeah so it kind of pisses me off a little bit because I was you know now everyone's trying kind of jumping on the bandwagon but I was I was I fucking I fucking built the bandwagon well that's the thing like I mean we've we've talked on the show in the past about our love of B movies and I I have watched probably at least 300 B-movies Spent a lot of my time A lot of hours watching crappy special effects Terrible, you know, gore sequences mm-hmm. Unrealistic stories All this For like some hipster in Brooklyn To be like, oh, I, I, I saw this movie You know, at uh, you know, at some retro uh, VHS store And now they love it And I, yeah. it, like, it, it just bothers me I hate it too I've been beating the bandwagon of B movies for forever. Remember yeah, you in have. High school, I was watching B movies. Yeah. And it just it annoys me. It does. It definitely annoys me that now these great movies, great movies, have now become popular. Mm-hmm. I remember watching uh, CK. Would we be talking about um, trauma movies? Mm-hmm. You know, when we were in college, I remember sitting in the parking lot of Ock talking about trauma movies oh yeah yeah I, I remember that yeah 
that's got to be one of the biggest ones. But I just, you know, that, that just kind of pissed me off a little bit because it just, I do like it because I do like that there's now merchandise for it, whereas the, there didn't used to be. But at the, at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't know, that was like sort of like my, like, not mine, because it's not like just solely mine, but like it was sort of like my best kept, like, you know, like my, that was like my kind of, that was my movie. You know? Yes. That was something that, that, like, I just... No one else really knew. One person that did know it was a uh, guy I went to high school with. Um, I guess I could say he's uh, Andy Georgialis. Ah, yeah. He knew of Killer Clowns, because I used to talk to him about it in high school. And But, you know, other than that, like, no one else really kind of knew of it. Now it seems like everybody knows Killer Clowns, and I think it's uh, people who just maybe... St- you're right, like, maybe saw, like, some, like, VHS thing or watched at some stupid college party five years ago and now they like it or some shit. Yeah, Just, and, and I guarantee, like, a lot of these B-movies that we love, they were, like, someone had their, you know, their older brothers or older cousins VHS tape, so everyone got drunk and were smoking weed, and they're like, oh, let's put on this old stupid movie, and then realized how great it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of B-movies that are out there that if people actually watch and didn't take it for face value to what it is just a low budget cheap movie mm-hmm. and watch it mainly for like the entertainment purpose of it you know you're not going for storyline you're not going for dialogue you're going for mainly just pure entertainment I look at B movies like um, fast food hmm. yes would everyone like to go eat at a fucking five star you know Michelin rated um, restaurant every night eating filet mignon and lobster tail, yes. But every once in a while, that fucking Big Mac hits the spot where you're <laughs> like, this is delicious. And this nice. is what I need. I need a greasy, fatty, terrible for you burger with a, you know, a milkshake, greasy fries, onion rings. Like, you need that. <laughs> and that's what a B-movie is. I'm waiting for the day when uh, there's something around here where, like, killer clowns or... There's like some kind of B movie fest. That do you know of any? If there's any around here? I mean, I don't know if it's. I, I know that they've had them. I've seen them up. Probably the the best one you could probably think of for that would be if they did um, when they do the uh, what the hell is it called? Um, the one with Tim, uh, the guy that was the original Pennywise. Tim Curry. And what was the movie that he was on? Uh, Rocky Horror. Rocky yeah, Horror, no, I'm not talking about that shit. And I think that's, like, one of the big things. That, see, I always wish that, like, drive-ins would do, like, a week of creature features. You mentioned that years ago, or I don't know, maybe it wasn't that long ago, when you said that drive-in movies on, like, a Tuesday should show, like, B-movies or something during the summertime to kind of get, like, people to come on a Tuesday. And I always thought that was an excellent idea, and I, I wish I, I wish someone would do that. And you know, it's funny when you think of like this uh, with COVID and everything, and how uh, you know we have to social. Like you would think that like and end it being a retro type thing that more people will be trying to get these these drive-ins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily we have the one award that's still alive and kicking. That's probably the only one. Um. That's left. I think there might be one. Is Fair Oaks still there? Uh, Fair Oaks. It, it, I think they are. I don't know if they're active. Like, 
I've looked up on their website and I just you, you never really see anything for it. Yeah, I remember in the paper you used to always see a fit the Fair Oaks driving and they would tell you what movies were playing. So it was around at least till the '90s. But Fair, I remember Fair Oaks and Warwick were the only two within hundreds of miles. I don't think there's anything else remotely close to us. But oh no, it's open. It is open. Oh, that's I'm, that's actually really good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. I feel like the drive-in's a dying breed. They are open. Yeah. Oh, good. So, uh, sorry. I always remember them advertising. They always used to have the uh, like the the T-Rex. Yes. Over the big because it was the biggest yes. big screen. That's right. Very good. I remember, that's, that. I remember that too. Very good, Tom. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, if you know of any drive-ins, <laughs> you can reach us on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. And we'll give you out that info at the end of the show. So, it's been a week. We all want to know, how was how was Egan? Um. Because <laughs> I know, I but no one else knows, so. <laughs> yeah, she did not come. Uh, <laughs> she kind of, like, never texted us, and, and then said like oh I'm coming the day of but she wasn't leaving until like 6 at night and at that point I was like I'm like you're not leaving she goes because I don't want to hit traffic I'm like Egan it is by the time you get here like my wife she works early she gets up at like 3.30ish around there you know depending on you know if she showers at night she'll wake up a little bit um, later if she doesn't shower she's got to wake up earlier I'm like, she's got to be up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, you getting here at 7 o'clock at night? She's going to be up for an hour before. Like, she regularly goes to bed. Like, tonight, she was actually up late. And Mm -hmm. we normally start recording around 9.15. Because I usually have, like, that 15 minutes to get. If she stays up till 9, is very shocking. Because normally she passes out. So, at 9 o'clock, I can get, you know, the dog taken out. I can get the computer set up. I can get my drink ready. Have my cigar going. So, like... It's a process, and mm-hmm. it takes about 15 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, Egan, there's no way that it could happen. I'm like, you can't do this. And it was just, so she did not come. Was um, she pissed? We, we may go down to Florida in, um, in the holiday season, so possibly meeting up with her then. Okay. But this one was just, it was, it was just, it was not enough time. Didn't work out. No. Was she upset? Uh, well, again, she's a greenie, so I did not get to directly speak with her. Because <laughs> uh, what happened was, as we were, we were driving, me and my wife were driving back from, I forget where. And as we were driving back, that's when I texted her, because we were within, like, the service range. Because once you get into probably, like, five miles around my house, like, there, there's no cell service. Like, yeah. it's terrible. And it's bad for, like, iPhone-to-iPhone people. Mainly, I got it. Like, if I'm trying to text you, I got to be within Wi-Fi range for it to go that way. But if I'm just going off data, it's very hard around here. And then adding in the fact that a greenie's out there, it just makes it near impossible. Oh, I remember when I used to come to not your house, but you had, when that, that transition house you had for a little mm-hmm. bit, I used to text you the second I got on county route that I was there because you would get the text 
when I got there because that's how long yeah. it took to get through. And I did that every time, and it always it always worked pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you had to because and because we have asshole residents around here, and I will say it: there's assholes that said they were going to put in a cell tower, and they're like, "Oh, we don't want it, this and that." You know, they're, they're worried about they're worried about uh, pollution. They live in a fucking farming community. There is fucking chemical sprayed everywhere. Yeah, that's that's. We, we live next to the Walkill River, which, if anyone knows, read about the Walkill River and algae blooms, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's we're we're in a fucking shitty area. We got the Hudson River not that far from it. Like, you're gonna get something here. Like, I'm surprised people haven't been walking around with three arms. It's just this is a very. Uh, bad area when it comes to chemicals like someone we graduated with unfortunately had uh cancer at a very young age yeah uh you know family that we knew but again no one in my family has ever had breast cancer my mom and my aunt both got it like no one that we ever knew ever got it they both got it Hmm. like it's just it's something that just doesn't happen and this is what and, and here we are but well, that's that's Warwick uh, Pine Island for you. Like they want nothing yeah. coming in, they want nothing moving. Yet they want to, they allow a fucking Dunkin' Donuts to come in. So go figure that one. Yeah. But and 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 a fucking Dunkin' Donuts without a drive-through. Yeah, without you're right. Without a fucking drive-through. <laughs> Which they could easily do. They could just punch a hole in the back of the thing and and, and put one in. But no, they can't. Yeah. That's why. Like I I hate Dunkin' Donuts to begin with. Because from working around, like, we, we, wherever I worked, there's always been, like, a Dunkin' Donuts within a stone's throw away. Mm-hmm. And for people who maybe, like, don't understand it, like, I, I don't know if there's any other, cha- like, it'd be, like, it's the equivalent of Canadian Tim Hortons. There's one on every fucking corner. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. drank so much Dunkin' Donuts, like, when I was within my first, like, seven years working mm-hmm. that... I can't drink it anymore. Like I drink it, it just like I just hate the taste. I don't think it's good. It's uh, it's fast food coffee. Yeah, that's I'd rather, basically in all honesty, what it is. I'd rather go to a bodega or a uh, or a gas station to get coffee. Yeah, I still, I still, I used to drink Dunkin' Donuts every day. I, I limit it now to like just pretty much on Saturday mornings, um, if we don't have coffee here. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah, well, my job, we, I mean, we we have one right across from our office, like, right across the street. Mm-hmm. Like, you could throw a baseball and hit the fucking front door. But we were drinking it, like, three-fourths, we were getting three or four cups a day, let alone just the fucking amount of money we were spending on it. We bought a coffee pot and just brew our own coffee at the station, mm-hmm. you know, where our station is, and it's fine. And then when we go on the road, we just bring a cup with us if we have to go out on, you know, any type of service call. Right. So it works. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I just I can't do Dunkin' anymore. I just I honestly I hate it. No, I like the pumpkin donuts. <laughs> it's it's like the only donut I actually really will get from there. See, I can't I, like, even that. Like I, I I love donuts. I fucking love donuts. They're delicious. You know. They're they're they, they satisfy the craving of like you know a sweet tooth craving. Everything about them I love. Mm-hmm. Dunkin' donuts. I can't eat those trash donuts anymore. Like I. I've gotten so. Uh, You're a donut snob now. Spoiled, yes. I've gotten snobby and spoiled with even. I'll even say like even Krispy Kreme. I like Krispy Kreme, but I won't go there really unless I see that red light on. 
When that red light on, I will fucking, I will merge across five lanes of traffic to get there, to get a warm donut. But if it's not, I can't. What Krispy Kreme do you go to? The one in Jersey? There's one on four. Yes, there, there is. You're right. Okay. That's right. Funny story. Um, I didn't even know it was there. And my wife, uh, one day she's, she's at work and she calls me and says, um, don't be mad. Hmm. Which automatically now I've just makes you mad. I don't even know what the story is yet. But when she says "Don't be mad," I'm already fucking insane. That is the uh, husband uh, motto. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's "Don't be mad." Well, now I'm mad. You haven't even yeah. told me yet what it is, and I'm yeah. already mad. <laughs> so she says that, and then she goes. Um, I'm putting out stuff on, you know, at work, and I look down at my hand, and the diamond's missing. Oh, shit. From her, from her wedding ring, or her engagement ring, whatever the, I think the engagement ring's the bigger diamond one. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. She goes, literally everyone at the at work is looking for this. They're all, like, on their hands and knees wow. crawling around. Oh, man. So, she, um... She calls home and says to my mom, like, don't vacuum. Because I don't know if it maybe possibly fell off at home. Yeah. So my mom ends up finding it on the, I think on our bedroom or on our bathroom floor, which has like a thick rug where you like, she was like, she was literally like feeling it like. Wow. Like a homeless person, like finding it, trying to find a crack rock, like sifting through the, the, the thing. But she ended up finding it. Oof. So. Yeah, huh. luckily, because that was a shit ton of money. This is the and, we- the wedding ring, or the engagement ring. I'm sorry. The engagement ring. Okay, yeah, that's the- all right. Wow, holy sh- wow, good for your mom. Yeah, but then uh, we end up going down to Route Four, and r- pretty much like right next to it is where we got the ring. So they had to like re I-, I don't know what the fuck you call it. I guess solder a new piece of like mounting for it, mm-hmm. and right next to it was the Krispy Kreme. But every time we drove by, the red light wasn't on. And I'm like, I-, I just I can't, I can't. <laughs> but yeah We have duck donuts by us now Like the, those are just fantastic um, And I've been really like Looking around We got trash donuts by us There's really nothing good When you get closer towards the city It gets a little bit better But up by like Orange County There's nothing There's Dunkin Donuts there's Yeah the, like, let me tell you something though duck, I mean this is the thing duck, Donuts now are like these like They're like craft beers you know, like, the, the, it's just, like, sometimes, like, duck donuts and you, don't kill me. Like, we'll go every once in a while, but, like, I find it to be, like, too much. Like, it's, like, peanut butter on top of chocolate with, like, golden grams on it. And, like, sometimes I just want, like, a, a like a classic, you know, vanilla, like, donut with, like, vanilla frosting on it. And you can get that there, though. I guess you can. I guess so. I mean, so. I, I'm sure that the, the, uh, the people at work there, because they, they work. They would probably be like, wow, you're getting a vanilla donut? Thank you. Like, uh, Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you mean I, I don't have to get my hand covered in six different fucking confections? Yeah. yeah great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I will. I do I do love the fact that they make it right in front of you because it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's oddly satisfying. Um, but, yeah, but Krispy Kreme's, I mean, Krispy Kreme's another kind of donut. Like, it's just like these, it's like... Uh, they're good. It's a good donut, but it's like a fast food... Yeah, kind for of a thing. fast food donut, yeah. it's it's probably the uh, 
like the In-N-Out Burger, the Five Guys of fast food donuts. Mm-hmm. It's the higher end one. But I've eaten so many Krispy Kremes that I, like I said, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I gotta have them when they're hot. If they if they, if I just go in there and it's a cold donut sitting in the, the display case, I'm like, I just, I can't because I've had so many of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose but so. Yeah. They do hit the spot. They are delicious. They are good. Yeah, yeah. I've actually had. I tried a coffee from them before from Duck Donuts also, and uh, that was okay. It was. It wasn't. Um, they don't put any sugar or anything. Like they like they kind of let you do it on their on your own. <laughs> yeah, I, see, in a way, I like that. In a way, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I get weird with stuff. Like if I'm. If you're pouring my coffee, I want you to do everything. Right. If I'm pouring my coffee, like at a gas station, I expect to do everything. You know what I mean? Like, don't half me. Right. Yeah. Well. But. Have you? Uh, how's your How's your fantasy team doing? Uh. <laughs> uh. My one team, I started out really good. I, I had the most points in the league. This is my uh, my coworker league. Oh, okay. Um, or mainly now former coworker league. Um, I started out really hot. I had the best record in the league, and then last week, uh, Jonathan Taylor really kicked me in the dick. Mm. He 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 brought down a lot on my team, and I think if he would have just had an average game, I probably could have pulled it out. But he he really he fucked me hard with that, and I just don't understand it. He's the best running back in the league. Your team isn't that good. Matt Ryan looks terrible and terrible. And I would just, uh, I would be just handing him the ball because he can make magic, and they just didn't do it. Matt Ryan, <laughs> that it's funny. Matt Ryan is probably the only mediocre quarterback who has been playing for so long that is still starting. You know, like he's like a Joe Flacco that just like kind of gets by, and he like he he's always just able to start because he just gets on shit teams. <laughs> have no, and and the and the Colts aren't really that shitty of a team. They're, I mean, they're like middle of the road, I would say. But he's always just like he's always able to start, and he's not that great of a quarterback. <laughs> you know, the thing about Matt Ryan was when he was in Atlanta, he had such great quarter or, uh, receivers. That he could just throw the ball and they're going to catch it. That's why his stats are as great as they are. That's it, he, he's like a he was like the he's like a, the white Dante Culpepper. You give him a yes. good receiver, he'll freaking throw for four hundred yards a game. Yeah. Take away those receivers, he's nothing. Yeah. And I mean, luckily, and you saw it last week. Like they they did nothing on offense without um without uh shit. What the hell is his name? It literally just popped out of my head. Uh, Pittman. They yeah, Pittman. They, they were like terrible. But yeah, yeah. I, I actually squeaked by a win last week by like the skin of my teeth. I won, and uh, so I'm, I'm now one and one. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think I'm having a. I, I, I think uh, I have Rogers as my QB. I always kind of I, I franchise them in. I don't know if I'm keeping him. <laughs> like he, he's just uh, again, he lost. He lost all his receivers, and now he's just kind of he, he's just not doing as hot as he was. So, and my backup co- uh, quarterback is Trevor Lawrence, who's doing all right actually. But I don't know if I can start him over Rodgers. It's kind of like I don't know. 
but I guess we'll see. Um, it should be it should be interesting. Yes. So. Yes, and then in the league that I'm in with you, uh, I, I, I kind of let it uh, be known that I was not happy. You got to steal this. <laughs> you got to yeah. steal this week. I, uh, well, I, I, as we talked about on the last show, I, uh, I expressed my displeasure on the uh, group chat for it, or the the league chat. I guess it's not a group. It's not a group text. It's a group chat that we have on the thing. And I, uh, I explained my displeasure, and I thought that there was uh, some shenanigans, if you will, that were taking place at the draft. Mm-hmm. And I think I made a lot of valid points. Well, and what? So what happened was, to give a little backstory. Guy drops. Um, who do you, uh, uh, Marquise? Uh, what's his name? Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Mar- Marquise Hollywood Brown. Marquise Brown. Thank you. I couldn't. I was gonna say Colton for some reason. For nope, he is on the Saints, or I don't even think he is anymore. For uh, Trevor Trevor Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. I'm bad with names. I saw that, and I'm like, what the fuck is this guy thinking? And right away, I put in a waiver a waiver claim for him. Yes. Because my I, I have a my waiver claim seven. So I figured I'll I'll just fucking I'll try. Why not? This guy was dumb enough to drop him. Next thing you know, he's put back on the guy's team, and and I I'm like, this is kind of bullshit. Like, what's going? Like, why is he added? And it came like, oh, he dropped him by mistake, which is you know, it's bullshit. Because you can you can confirm that. And that's my that's my thing on it. It's not like you sit there and you you uh, I want to pick up, you know, John Smith, and I drop, you know. Mike Rogers, right? And it, as soon as I hit that, they, it automatically happens. Uh, you hit that, and then you have to confirm on it. So it's like almost like uh, a double um, agreement, if mm-hmm. you will. And because of that, that's where I called foul. And you you stated your displeasure with it. I called foul, and <laughs> I don't know if anything else was said after that. A lot and, was said after. That. Well, no, no. Up until I started really uh, going nuts. <laughs> you did. You, you were like the ultimate warrior. <laughs> yes. I went and I, 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 I explained my displeasure. You know, my, my, all right, my first round pick was, was a, a first round pick. My second round pick was not. And I, and I pulled up the draft results to actually see. And I'm going, holy shit, I would have taken this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I would have taken like six guys before I would have taken that one. Right. And you know, and it was oh well, that's his average draft position or, or whatever the whatever the the qualifications for taking it. He was the next best player. I'm like, how can you say he's the next best player when he's never taken a fucking snap snap in the NFL? Brees Hall, and it was Brees Hall, yes, who was a second round draft pick at number thirty six, which means mm-hmm. he was passed over like fifty times. That's a, that would count as a second round. He wasn't even guaranteed to start. Yes, not even a starter. So that happened. Then I get a, um, like maybe a few more picks after that. I get again a committee, a committee team, a running back by committee team. Mm-hmm. They've they've done this for the past like five years. Another rookie on a bad team who was out at, at the beginning of the season with a fucking hernia. Yeah. Then a few picks later, I get. My first round pick was um, A.J. Brown on Philadelphia. 
my next wide receiver pick, or maybe two picks after that, was the other receiver for the Eagles. Why would I draft a tandem receiver team? Unless it's fucking, you know, uh, two great receivers. Yeah, and the Eagles aren't a bad team, but you're right. Like, no one picks a second. I mean, especially on the same team. Same team. You really don't. Like, I, you try and spread you spread it out a little bit, especially well, that, that close in the rounds. Everything else that goes in. Right, right. Then I get drafted a fucking receiver that's out for a third of the season on a suspension. Not like he's hurt. He's on a suspension, so he cannot play. He cannot come back early, nothing like that. And then I get two two defensive players. Not Like... I'm looking at it like you gotta be shitting me. So I, I kind of went nuts, and I, I and you threw out a few uh, Ultimate Warrior uh, gifts. Yeah. And because of that, you know, and I was mainly bitching about um, Hall. So I ended up getting a trade for Hall for um, Derek Henry. <laughs> Derek Henry, yes. Derek Henry, who's probably top three running back. Yes. I, you know, let's just I'm just let's just call it out. It was a big papa said, I'll trade you Derrick Henry for Brees Hall right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sent the trade and Within he seconds. and he and I even I said to I said to you, I go, if he accepts the trade, he's a fool. If he doesn't accept it, he's a liar. So either way he loses. Yes. <laughs> So, and he accepted the trade, which has got to be that's like that's like Babe Ruth getting traded to the Yankees for like a dinner yeah. <laughs> from the Boston <laughs> Red Sox. <Yeah>. The, the, <laughs> the curse of Derrick Henry starts. Yes, and the, the, I, I thank you for that because I'm actually playing Big Papa this week. So, <laughs> so. But uh, I'll, and I actually chimed in, I'm like, since you're having a fire sale, I'll trade you uh, Sterling Shepard for uh, Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> since you're losing your mind right now. But uh, I could I could not I could not believe that. I think he back got back into the corner. And he was like, shit, I guess I got to take this now. Because yeah. like, what was he gonna do? Like he he, he kind of said that he made a big deal that Hall is a big pick and. He, he had to accept it to, to show some kind of, I guess, like some, uh, I guess, some balls, I guess, for lack yeah. of a better term. I couldn't, well, then, you know, I could not believe the, that happened. One of the accusations was, oh, well, you know, you don't have a bad record. Yeah, because I've been, out of everybody in the league, I've probably done more moves than everybody combined. Uh, honest to God, you've been, bust, you've been busting your ass with trades and yeah. drops. I, I've see, I get, like, notifications when you make a move. Yes. And, I, and, like, especially, like, those first couple of days after the draft, you were, like, constantly, like, doing stuff and, like, fixing up the team. So, uh, I'm really... <laughs> and, you know, like, he hasn't had a good couple of weeks, Derrick Henry, but it's the beginning of the season. He's going to pop off eventually. He, uh... Well, remember a few years ago, he had a terrible beginning of the season. I had him. Yes. I had him, and... I don't remember if I dropped him because they were putting the 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 backup in for yeah. him. And I uh, who was it? It was uh. Um, he went to he went to I think the Jets for a, a little bit. Yeah, I I forget who it was, but I remember I had him and I dropped him, and then I ended up playing I think it was like a week after too. It was it was the week or the second week after, and I played the guy 
who picked him up in the playoffs, and Derrick Henry went ballistic, and I lost the game. It yeah, came back to like, haunt me. He had like, he had like three th- games of over 150 yards rushing. It was like three touchdowns each game. Yeah, it, was, it, it was stupid. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, motherfucker, like, I am a fucking idiot. Because, but, like, again, like, for the first eight weeks, he did shit. Like, he had, like, two points a game, and I, and I had someone on the bench who was doing better than him. So I got, I dropped him, and I, I you know, I ended up picking someone else, and obviously cost me. But, um, but a good running, I mean, again, I don't know what he, <laughs> I don't know why he called that out, man. He, he gave and away his best way, running back. Maybe, and from what what the professionals, you know, a lot of these fantasy football forecasters and everything like this are saying Hall is going to eventually be a stud running back. Eventually. Eventually is the key word. And but is he, though? I mean, if he's going to be that big of a stud running back, why was he picked up so fucking late? I could see... Now, if here's the thing. If he went first round, top ten... Easy trade. I could I could definitely see that. Like you're picking up like that's like a future that's that's you're 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 planning for the future right there. Top twenty five, if he went like first round kinda late, I'd be like, ah, I don't know, like but you know, like who knows, maybe he'll maybe he'll pull through and he'll start by the end of the year. But second round and who knows, like Brady was drafted fourth round. Yeah. Or however late he was. So anything's possible. Round, but I think. Yeah, it was late. It was super late. So anything's possible. But one, he's on the Jets. <laughs> yes. Which is not a good team. And then second, it's... Okay, he was just drafted so late. So why would you... I mean, he could. He should have thrown out... I'm looking at his team. He, he should have said, I'll, I'll trade you uh, Javante Williams for him. You know? Just someone... That kind of is almost equal, but he gave yeah. up his <laughs> he gave up his franchise running back. So I don't know. I I, I think I think I mean, it was the a silly thing move. I can think but... of too is Derrick Henry has been playing for a while now. His shelf life isn't going to be much longer, and he's a bruising back. So he's he's getting hit up. This might be only a player that I keep. Maybe this season. Maybe next season. And then after that, it's probably going to be not taking. Him. But this, let me tell you something. This league we're in. And I I hate this. They but they can but we continue to fucking do it. It seems like every two years something happens where we just completely do like a, a you know wipe the shelves clean kind of thing and we start fresh and we draft everybody all over again. Yes. So it's almost like you can't really plan for four years down the line because three years from now we could just do a total redraft and like you won't even have them anymore. And that's kind of how it's been. Like, there's been a couple of guys. Uh, James Connors was one of them. I picked James Connors up in the very last round of 2018 when he was supposed to be the backup to. Uh, 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 God, why am I why am I drawing a blank? Um, who was the Steelers running back that went 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 nuts? Oh, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Thank you. I, I'm. Having brain farts tonight, and then Le'Veon Bell sat out the entire season, and James Connors became the star, and he actually did pretty well. But then he got hurt. Um, so I had him for two years in a row, and then we did a redraft, and I and I lost him. Now, now, granted, he he's not exactly as good as people were kind of making him out, but he's like a first, he's like a after franchise guys, he's like a first round, two second round pick. 
Yeah. You know, he's a starter. Um, so, again, like, you can't really plan in this league. I feel like there's always something, like, doing a redraft, and I hope that doesn't continue because I just – I want to, like, build my team up instead of getting the same, you know, same shit every couple of years where we just do a redraft and I end up picking the same guys over again because I get, I get like, ninth-round pick. I've always said this, and I'd love to do this. You pick a team, and that's your team for, like, like – you got to keep these players year after year, and you know when they when they retire, you can get rid of them, and you just it, it's almost a, it's a very slow process, but you can sit there and see where the really good players, like if you can pick a good player and keep him for his entire career or a, a substantial amount, like he has to be on your team a minimum of three years, pending a, a devastating injury. Yeah, but it's something that is you need consistency too, and when it comes to what I've noticed with the leagues that I've been in, people come and go quickly. There's mm-hmm. not like like show the league where these guys have been in this league forever. Right. You know, you don't get that a lot. I mean, I even know with football for a while, I was I was out of the league. Um, hockey, I was out for a while. Well, hockey, we, no one did hockey. <laughs> we, yeah. But like the last two two years, we haven't done hockey. And now that they're back in the hopefully nor- nor- normality when it comes to uh, the kung flu, mm-hmm. we can maybe start that back up again. I I'd, I always like doing hockey because you're the only one well, that I pays attention it. to it. <laughs> That's why yeah, well, you and Triple D. <laughs> yeah, but I, I enjoy it because again, there's not much that I I do when I'm when I'm at home here. Yeah, so it gives me something to do. <laughs> but I guess the. Uh, that would that would be the story of uh, how I came into contact with him, right? <laughs> and you you, uh, you spoke of the Ultimate Warrior. I did, and that kind of got into the main crux crux of this show, I guess. Uh, the other day, I was going down the rabbit hole, and I was looking up old school wrestlers. I forgot how it went down, um, and I might have been watching. Uh, the biography and I started seeing like the old school stuff and I started thinking about it and I ended up coming upon the WWF Hall of Fame page mm-hmm. of who they had in there and I and I just sent you a random text because I do this pretty much probably 12 times a day and I just asked you a random question and I said I sent you the link for the the, the, the Wikipedia site so you had all the, the classes in there and I said what is your favorite class mm-hmm. and almost immediately you gave me an answer right <laughs> So here's the thing. <clears throat> All right, so the Hall of Fame, the WWF, WWE Hall of Fame, uh, all started because Andre the Giant died. And yes. pretty much right away, they created this Hall of Fame, quote-unquote, that's just like a, it's just like a name. There's no building or anything. Um, and they inducted Andre the Giant as the sole person in the Hall of Fame as the first inductee. It went on for a couple of years, and then after 96, they stopped it until 2004. And since 2004, it's been a yearly thing where they inducted a bunch of guys. So now you asked me what my favorite class was, and I said, well, 2005. If, you don't, if you're a fan of the show, you know that I'm a huge Hulk Hogan fan. Um... And coincidentally, Hulk Hogan was inducted into Hall of Fame in 2005. Um, but that's not 
the sole reason. Now, you see, they kind of built this 2005 Hall of Fame around the fact that it was the 20-year anniversary of WrestleMania. It okay. was 20 years. So the 2005 class is Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Cowboy Bob Orton, Jimmy Hart, Paul Orndorff, Nikolai Volkov, and the Iron Sheik. I never, see, I never even put that, that together until you said it. And yeah, then, that's, now that you said it, it makes complete sense. That's why they did. You got one, two, three, four of those guys were in the main event of the very first WrestleMania. Now, what? why they didn't induct Mr. T into that point, who would go on, he'd go in later on in a couple of years. But um, I guess they didn't really do celebrities yet. But I think he should have been in there with the rest and, of them. Actually, the, uh, the next year they did celebrities because uh, William Perry got it. Yeah, so when did Mr. T go? He went in... Jesus. 2014, so like nine years afterwards. But to me, I mean, he was so instrumental in that first WrestleMania. Like, I don't know why they ignored that. So you looked at that list... That is, to me, a very bona fide Hall of Fame. Okay. Everyone knows Hulk Hogan. Probably, arguably, the most famous wrestler of all time. Hulk Hogan. And, I, and, I'm, Mainly because, and I think a lot of that, too. And if you were in the South, you weren't a big Hulk Hogan fan because you had Crockett Promotions uh, and then WCW. But because of his introduction in the pop culture is where you got maybe a little more familiar with him. So right. you knew who he was. You may not like him, but you knew who he was. But let's call a spade a spade. If you never watched wrestling at all in your entire life, and you're over the age of 30, you know who Hulk Hogan is. My, mm-hmm. my wife knows who Hulk Hogan is, and she never watched a lick of wrestling. All right? Roddy Roddy Piper. Another guy who, he, I would say he's like B-list in terms of like, let's, let me hear, let me let me, in terms of pop, in terms of pop culture, like knowing what like you got a okay. like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Steve Austin, The Rock. Um, I guess I'll say John Cena. Flair. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe he's like borderline. But I'm, what I'm talking about is guys who like they were so popular that you don't have to watch wrestling to know that they were wrestlers. You knew they they just they were larger than life. All right. Okay. Rod, Roddy Piper is probably one of the best bad guys in wrestling and I liked him as a, as a good guy but he's more known as a bad guy on top of that crossed over into mainstream and started like a lot of shit like he's been a, he's an act even as up until like the year he died he was still doing stuff um he's in one of my favorite movies of all time they live B movies yeah they live uh hell comes a frog town yes uh a, 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 he was he was one of John Carpenter's boys yes um, but and he did a lot of get. He was in a couple episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, Jimmy Hart, probably one of the greatest managers of all time. Iron Sheik, one of the greatest bad guys of all time. 
Um, he actually crossed over in the pop culture as well with his uh, radio interviews. Yeah, like the last like 15, 20 years or so. Bob Orton, Nikolai Volkov, eh, okay. You know, they, they, for... For what they, they hold their place in history. They do. For wrestling. And same thing with Paul Rundolph. Right there you got one, two, three, four, five, seven guys who, without a question, are bona fide Hall of Fame people. There's no question. They, you say they're going to Hall of Fame, no one questions it. Okay, I can see why they're putting this guy in. I can see why they're putting Jimmy Harden. I can see why... I mean, people hated the Russians in the 80s. Nikolai Volkov was hated. Hated. So hated. And he teamed with the Iron Sheik. And Iron Sheik, I mean, other than that, was very instrumental in Hulk Hogan becoming champion. He was that that transition guy. So you have a very bona fide Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame has been kind of criticized in the last several years for including guys that some say shouldn't really be in there. Like the, the Bella Twins got inducted, I think, last year, two years ago. Like, they... They don't really, you know. Me personally, I, I don't. I don't like them. I, I just. I don't know why they're in there. Um, a lot of people criticize Coco Beware being in there, which I. I, I like. I like Coco Beware, and I, I, I. And over time, they started inducting guys that might not have been as. They're not. They've had success outside of WWF, like Coco Beware. That's what I was gonna say. Coco Beware before... Go ahead, sorry. They could be in the uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. WWF is kind of its own juggernaut in regards to it. And if you, like... It would almost be... Coco Beware would be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And then if they had the Major League Baseball, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, you could be a great AAA player and make the Hall of Fame for being a great AAA player, which Coco Beware was. Down south, he was... Beloved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he was very popular. Sound. Yes. Very popular. But in WWF, never really had any shine. No, he was known as he was known as a job guy, pretty yes. much. He was like a, a low card job guy. Um, so a lot of those classes are tainted because of one person or two people going in. That a lot of people are like, why is this guy going in when you have so many other people that deserve to be. But that 2005 class, and granted, this was like at, kind of at the beginning of the Hall of Fame kind of coming back. So they were kind of really just picking guys that really deserved to be in at the time. Um, but in the later years, it got it, uh, there's a lot of criticism. But that 2005 class, to me, it just sticks out because, one, you're celebrating four guys that really kind of played a huge part in... WWF becoming what it is today and it's just to me it's it's the perfect class yes and I see and this kind of skews my thought on it because of mainly what we just said for WWF definitely probably one of the best classes Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna go with the class of 2007 I think would be a to me is an a strong class, but it also now goes into just wrestling in and of itself. Yeah. And if you look at that class, I mean, it, 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 this knocks socks off here. I mean, maybe one of the greatest Mike guys ever, and who was not, and he he's what I would consider the headliner for it, the headline 
man in the class. He's the Hulk Hogan of that class. Great on the mic, and not what you would think would be a wrestler is Dusty Rhodes. Mm. I mean, just to me, an amazing uh, mic guy. And in Jim Crockett Promotions and down south, he was he was the show. He was the show. He was, if you will, the probably the the main card guy for out of four people that back then. He was on there for a decade straight. Absolutely. Uh, listen, D- Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, and Ric Flair is probably top three greatest rivalries in professional wrestling. I mean, that's a rivalry rivalry that went on for like, you're right, like a, a, about a decade. Decade straight. Yeah. Like, and it never lost any of its... Because it was just no it was so Flair. it was just so perfect. Like, Flair was like this, like, you know, riding limousines and like the robes and stuff and Dusty Rhodes represented like the blue class working man. Right? man. And, and he, and Flair hated that and Dusty hated like the rich, the rich kind of guys. Yes. And it just it worked, and it was perfect, and both of them could talk. Like, it, oh. I mean, Dusty Rhodes has probably some of the greatest promos ever. Like the um, the Hard Times promo is the, probably is my, my favorite, favorite promo. promo. Yeah, I would. It's definitely probably one of my favorite promos of all time. Um, and then with that, you know, and this is where I see Dusty getting in into um, the WWF. Hall of Fame, and this was kind of before he got in before he really should have, because when he got in, when his stint in WWF was very short. Yeah. Yeah. And he was never given a, a real major push. Mm-mm. He'd be like a, a the B card at best. Um. Yeah, I mean, I would say upper. Uh, uh, upper mid card. Um, I mean, look at I mean his feud. Like he feuded Macho Man and Ted DiBiase. Those are the two biggest ones, I think. Boss Man. Boss Man, who are in itself like major players, especially yeah. Macho Man. But never, never like a real what I would consider a title contender. No, he was given a very gimmicky. Like they they made him almost cartoonish on the Common Man type thing. I will I, I tell you this though and I, I kind of I'll tell anybody who will listen to this is that if, if you know Vince McMahon however you kind of perceive him as he, he knew what he was doing because he took Dusty Rhodes who really he didn't really have a gimmick per se like yeah okay he was the common man like he was the hard worker the blue collar guy gave him polka dots and you can you can take that as silly or what whatever, but he like made him like stand out. Oh, absolutely. A little bit like you re- like you remember like when you think of, when you see yellow polka dots, to this day I automatically think of Dusty Rhodes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, gave him a, a kick-ass theme song. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. I I mean I love that. It's probably one of my favorites ever, and gave him a. <laughs> um, a a uh, large black woman as <laughs> his valet, <laughs> kind of. But again, like it, it stood out. It's and the it, persona, because Dusty Rhodes, not again a body of a professional wrestler that you would think, especially at that time in WWF, where it was the land of giants. Mm-hmm. He was out of shape, and they gave him. They didn't give him Miss Elizabeth. They didn't give him anyone beautiful. 
they gave him a common woman. A common woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I always liked that. I did too, um, and I, I and I really liked Dusty Rhodes because when, when I first started getting into wrestling, that's how I was introduced to him. You know, and then yeah. I, by reading magazines, I learned that he had like kind of like a career before that. Um, but that's how I kind of got introduced to him, and he was one of my. I liked him. Like I liked. I liked his, the way he talked. I liked the way he. He was just so charismatic, and oh, extremely charismatic. I mean, just dripping off of him. But yeah, so th- I mean, that's Dusky. Then we move on to maybe one of the greatest technical wrestlers out there, Kurt Henning. Yeah, I mean, he was perfect. I mean, when you, when you think about it, probably if. I would say in the top three all-time greatest Intercontinental champs. When I think of the Intercontinental title, him and Bret Hart are the two guys I think of first. Yeah. And I would throw Honky Tonk in there just because of the longevity. And it never... Honky Tonk peaked at Intercontinental. He mm-hmm. couldn't, I don't think he could have ever been a headliner. No. But he was perfect in that, in that role. Mm-hmm. And again, that whole... I mean... Mr. Perfect was a bigger guy, but he wasn't what I would consider the, one of the giants. So he was that, like, like you look at um, MMA, um, the, what is it, the middleweights is like the big one. That's mm-hmm. like the Conor McGregor's, the Tito Ortiz, the, um, the Iceman. Like, that's like the big weight class for it, where heavyweights really aren't. And it's opposite in wrestling, where... They would be, you know, the the Tito Ortiz and those guys would be the Intercontinental champs, where the heavyweights would be the Hogan's and this and that. They kind of changed it up with wrestling and MMA, but Mr. Perfect was great in that. Mm-hmm. A great bad guy, you know, teaming just everything about him. When he went with Flair, when he had uh, what's his name as his manager, you know, Bobby. It was like he always hit that perfect nerve to have people hate him but he was so good he was such a good wrestler the, uh, he's another like before he came to WWF he was the AWA world champion so when he comes to WWF given this gimmick he's probably one of the rare few where the gimmick just matched up so perfect no pun intended so yeah. perfectly cause like he was, we're just able, like they showed all those like uh, promos of him throwing the football and then he ran down the field to catch it and then getting a hole in one and hitting home runs and he just did all this stuff, but it fit him. Yes. It just it just fits like just it was like a glove like a per, like the OJ glove it just fit perfectly. <laughs> and then they paired him with Bobby Heenan. Now Mr. Perfect could talk on his own. Yeah. But then you give him the greatest. To me, I I don't think it's even arguably the greatest manager of all time is Bobby Heenan. And it just, like, it just meshed so well. And I I don't know, like, unless you were, like, were alive to kind of live through it, you'll never know what we're talking about. But it just... Yeah. Man, like, I mean, what a time to watch wrestling. It just... It was just so good and just... Yeah, you can keep going. Absolutely. Sorry, I don't mean to go on a tangent, but... Just no, that, you, you, I mean, I think that that pretty much wraps up what you could say about Mr. Perfect. Yeah. Perfectly. Perfectly. Then you move on to Jerry Lawler. I mean, well, 
I would consider probably the best. Uh, you, you don't see it now, but like back in the day, there was player coaches. Jerry Lawler was the best player coach when it comes to being a promoter out there. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely fantastic what, what he did with um, Memphis. He knew how to bring in talent. He knew how to groom talent. And then when he gets to WWF, he's not really used as that. He made it to the big leagues, but then his wrestling, if you will, wasn't there as much as it was back down in, in the South. Yeah. And they moved him into a spot where he arguably became one of the greatest announcers. Absolutely. I mean, just everything about it, just the, the silliness, the, uh, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of, uh, you never got a lot of the technicality of how, you know, training went and this and that with mm-hmm. it, but just the great, it, if you could have put him and Heenan just as, if they were alive now, both of them, well, Heenan was alive and Lawler could do a podcast and redo the commentary on matches, think how fucking hilarious it would be. And just the bad, like, they would be the perfect combo to just add or uh, voice over any type of old school wrestling. They were, he's just great on the mic with that. Mm-hmm. So he essentially could get in. I, I wouldn't even look at him on the WWF Hall of Fame as a wrestler. I would look at him more as a commentator. But his wrestling was impeccable as well. well so I mean, you, you had that. His, I mean, his feud with Andy Kaufman is like that. That was probably one of the rare times where such a like a promotion that wasn't NWA or WWF got such widespread uh, news coverage. Yeah, you don't think of Memphis, like you know what? Um, Jim Crockett was out of Charlotte, Atlanta area, mm-hmm. big big time cities. WWF was out of, you know, the main hub was Madison Square Garden. NWA was out of Minnesota. Uh, you know, all these places. Memphis, you don't think of that as a um, a wrestling hub, but he made it amazing. And he got that put in the national spotlight. And probably one of the first wrestlers to ever really be on a late night talk show and cause such controversy. Yeah. And never breaking key fob with it. I mean, that was the other big thing. I mean, this is still when wrestling was real, and every you know they they sold it, and they and they sold it for decades after the fact. Yeah, and the fact that they made a fucking movie about it, essentially, you know, uh, Man on the Moon was about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it elevated Kaufman as well. I would think. Yeah, because I mean, if you ever watch like a do- any documentary about Andy Kaufman, they always include what he did. Where he, 90% of the where he, uh, yeah, he went to and he became like the, uh, he'd beat up like, you know, pl- there were women in the crowd, but there were plants. Yeah. And, uh, he became like the intergender champion and, uh, then he feuded with Jerry Lawler and, and it, it just, uh, I, to me, I always, I think that elevated him more than what he was. Yeah. I mean, he was a, he was a bit player on Taxi. He was a bit player on SNL. Mm-hmm. You know, it, but really what got him into the limelight was Lawler. Absolutely. So you have that. Nick Bockwinkle, it, it, for anyone that's on the list, he's an old school guy. You know, kind of one of those 60s, 70s, bringing it into the uh, television era type thing. Mm-hmm. 
his feud with Bob Backlund, things like that. It was very well known in the Madison Square Garden, you know, wrestling circle for WWF when they were starting to really pick up their momentum to become this juggernaut. He was one of the founding people in there. Mm-hmm. You know, him, Pat Patterson, Bob Backlund, the Sheik. These were these were the the guys that laid the groundwork for what WWF became. Yeah. So, I mean, and out of all of them, he's it's what I would think is probably the weakest one on this list. And that says a lot. Yeah, I'll disagree. Okay, I, I, could, I think I know where you're going to go the, with it. The reason why is because uh, he, um, the AWA, for those who don't know, was kind of like that. You had the WWF, you had the NWA. Those are the two major ones. AWA was right behind that. Yes. They were that third promotion. They broke away from the NWA in the early 80s, and they kind of, or maybe it was the 70s, and they became their own entity. So, and he was the champion for a long time in the AWA, and that, that was one of the reasons why Hogan ended up leaving, because they refused to take the title off of Bockwinkle. Uh, yeah. And um, so he really was just, uh, he was a major player for that, like, old school wrestling atmosphere. Yes. So I'm not going to say, maybe in terms of WWF, there's another guy in here I would say would be the weakest one on here, but uh, I I wouldn't say it's him. I think that's a a well-deserved spot. All right. Uh, for a manager, a manager and a wrestler, and it's very hard to have that kind of transition, if you will. I mean, Bobby Heenan wrestled a little bit, but never considered a great wrestler. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of any other manager that really kind of transcended into that and was almost a. It's almost like a football coach. All the great football coaches were not great football players. <laughs> Mr. Fuji was not a great wrestler. Oh, baby, I don't think that's true, baby. (laughs) Um, But he moved into the villain and mainly what I would consider like the foreign, that Pacific Japanese um, Samoan type of manager, and he was great at it. Yokozuna, all these guys were just he he was a great manager on that end. A great villain manager. Didn't it, it, I mean really didn't do a lot of talking, but was great at the ring. With mm-hmm. you know, throwing salt in people's eyes, wrapping legs. He he played that villain sidekick, if you will, to the wrestler, and he did it perfectly. Oh yeah. You know, waving the flag. It just it, he he was able to incise the in, in um, incense the crowd. He was he was probably one of the maybe the biggest crowd risers for any of the managers out there. I think. Oh yeah, Dem- uh, demolition. He managed demolition too. Yep. Uh, Mr. Fuji, who uh, he teamed. Um, man, uh, Tanaka Toru, uh, Toru Tunaka. And they, were, uh, they uh, I believe they won the tag titles at some point. But he's more known. He's more known as a manager, and he was. Uh, I mean, 
to the point where, like, again, like, Bobby, you just stuck in with some guy. You, all right, even if it was a new guy, like, he's with Mr. Fuji, he's bad. So we, we boo him. He just bought that much heat. Yeah. And he never really had, uh, other than probably, what, Yokozuna might be his only real big champion. Yeah, he, he managed a lot of, like, B, like mid-card guys. Mid-card. The, uh, but, he the, made them, but he made them wildly hated. Mm-hmm. And I think he made them more hated than they made themselves hated. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of good stories about Mr. Fuji out there. Yeah, yeah not only that, yeah. And he was an older guy, and he hung with the young guys when it came to the partying scene. Yeah. So, that is like a backstage He's, type of uh, uh, a legacy. N- n- notorious uh, prankster. Prankster, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of... I, I won't, We won't get into it now, but if you ever want to ch- check it out, just Google Mr. Fuji pranks, and there's some, there's some fucked up ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Alright, maybe this is who you're thinking yeah, of Yeah, if, if you're going the down the list sheet. Yeah it's t- This is where I'm going to say Maybe Because He wasn't as known in WWF At all, I mean he, he had a few Cups of tea there You know, mm-hmm. but his Influence in Canada Mainly in Toronto And the Detroit area is legendary the amount of and, and think about this when he was big he was this was when it was more conservative he kind of brought that he he made the way for Bruiser Brody mm-hmm. Abdullah Butcher ECW all the all this backyard wrestling that we have now he was the innovator of it absolutely that hardcore style you know if it wasn't for him he Wrestling, I don't think today would be what it is, where you have these guys, you know, jumping off the top of cages, doing any, you know, anything like that. He really got that going. I I agree. He definitely was one of the original hardcore wrestlers. The reason why I say he's one of the, is you pretty much hit the nail on the head with like he wasn't a WWF guy, and, a, and I don't think he really won any world titles or anything like that, but. I don't want to say he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because he, I, I think he does. But um, the Wrestling Hall of Fame, yeah, not the WWE, yeah, pretty much. Like he, I don't think yeah. he even wrestled. I mean, maybe like sparingly, like back when like it, they were still territories. He'd hop in for a couple months and hop back out, yeah. sort of thing. And that was and that was the norm, though. That was the norm for a lot of these. Andre the Giant would be he'd be essentially like a. Like a circus freak, he would just go from town to town, and the sheik was kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. But again, that was that was the territory. That was the way that it that it worked back then. When you were a a commodity, if you will, when it came to an oddity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that um, arguably probably the best um, Pat Summerall of announcers, and yeah. that is Jim Ross. Yeah, the, I mean. The- so the reason why the, now here's where we come with the controversy. He was still active. He was still announcing for WWE at this time, and he, even he's gone on record saying like I, I shouldn't have gone in. At this point, I'm still here. Like I think this should be something for guys who either are on the brink of retiring or already retired for a couple years. He goes, I'm still here. Like I, I probably shouldn't be in here right now. Uh, but hands down. 
Like, I always say the best announcing team of all time is Bobby Heen and Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah. Um, but Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are easily second, and there's not even a yeah. question about that. Just their chemistry together. But Jim Ross, um, <clears throat> even without Jerry Lawler when he was at WCW, when he was with uh, Mid-South Wrestling, was just a fantastic play-by-play guy. Yes. Um, and he he just... What he brought to the table is something that's very sorely missed today. And he's still announcing today. He, he does um, uh, AEW. He's not as good as he used to be to the point where it's just kind of like, uh, just, Jim, walk away. Uh, had a very tough life. He had cerebral palsy like five times. Um, then a couple of years ago... Bell's palsy. Oh, I'm sorry, Bell's palsy. Sorry. Uh, then his wife died a couple of years ago in a freak accident. Yeah. Um, very tough life for this guy. Um, but pretty much what you said, he's the Pat Summerall of wrestling. Yes. Uh, and, and his just... he. Uh, what I was beginning to say was something that's sorely missed today is that he made you, like, just, like, he really made you get into it. Like, just, like, his announcing, like, being, like, excited and just, uh... He, like, he knew what he was talking about. And so whenever I listen to, like, wrestling now, it's just like, man, like... It, it, it just... It, there's no substance to these guys. They're just, like, these robots that just kind of sit there and they just kind of say what's going on and they're being fed through a microphone what to say and Jim Ross wasn't like that he just kind of went on the fly and it just felt natural and it felt like you got excited when he got excited yeah and with his the way he would emphasize things you know the oh my gods and this and that and you know just when something big like a huge hit took place he like if you were very good. If you didn't, if you didn't have a TV to watch what was going on, and you were listening over the radio, you would feel like you were there. Absolutely. He emphasized all the great points that oh, were yeah. happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. We move on from him to the Wild Samoans. Essentially, the grand the the, the grandfathers of bringing in this. They Samoan they heritage. Yeah, they started the whole. I mean, I don't, they started it, but they were the. Catalyst. I mean, how many Samoans have come through wrestling since then? Oh, absolutely. Maybe a hundred. I mean, you had, you had the, the major four. It was, and one of them was through marriage. But Rocky Johnson. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Maivia, Peter Maivia, and then them. They brought that in here, and they had that again, that oddity type thing. You know. They, their heads were rock hard. I guess you could throw Snooka in there as well. We'll throw Snooka. Was Snooka Samoan though? I think he was from the Fuji Islands. Yeah. But he was the Polynesian heritage, if you right. will. Right. Okay. Okay. So, and I mean, these guys were great and like a wrecking crew, and they brought on all of the like. Essentially, they got where they were playing mainly in. Um, the Washington Territory, the Hawaiian Territory, um, Stu Hart's Territory up in Canada. They brought them into the East Coast and into the WWF limelight where they went, hey, these these guys are monsters. They're, you know, athletic. They know how to wrestle. They, he, they transitioned this whole thing. And if it wasn't for them, again, 
a lot of the people wouldn't be going to see The Rock in the movies. You know, they wouldn't be seeing, you know, Roman Reigns is the champion now and all this stuff because of them. Yeah. So, that, I mean, to me, that's where I look at that class, that 2007 class, as a extremely... And again, where you said WWF, and I never even kind of put the two together that that was the, the 20th anniversary of... Um, WrestleMania and seeing how they all fit mm-hmm. perfectly in there for that. But when it comes to maybe, and this is where I was wrong, the WWE Hall of Fame, maybe not so much, but for pro wrestling, if you were to put that, if you were to take them out of the WWF Hall of Fame and make it a pro wrestling, that would, I think, be the greatest class. It's a good class. It's, yeah. a, it's a really good class. It's you, Again, up and down the list, you got world champions, you've got, you have innovators. Um... But yeah, I mean, you definitely make a strong argument. Um, and it's a good mix of everything. It is, yeah. It is. Like I said, probably the only thing that isn't in that class is a giant. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know? Yeah. But huh. yeah, I mean, it, it, I think that just both of those are. It, out of any of the classes that there have been, those are the top two. I don't think you could even shake a stick at anything else. No, I'm looking... The next year is not bad either, but that's the one with Coco Beware. So that yeah. might bring it down, but next year you have Steve Austin, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Bill Watts, who was a huge uh, promoter, Howard Finkel, Terry and Dory Funk, the Von Erics. That's a good class too, but again, you have Coco Beware, who, I mean... I mean, maybe that brings it down a little bit, depending on who yeah. you ask. Uh, then 2010, Million Dollar Man, Antonio Noki, who was like the Japanese Hulk Hogan, Wendy Richter, Mad Dog Vashon, Gorgeous George, Stu Hart, and Bob Euchre. So yeah, you could see where it's starting to get a little bit more... Um, Watered down? Yeah. Yeah, but I, so I, I would say that 2008 class or 2007 class is like the last one where it was like, okay, I can kind of see why every guy here would be inducted. So, oh, I'm sorry, 2008. Did I say 2008? That was after that. Oh, Ric Flair, Peter Maivia, Rocky Johnson. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I don't know if, I think they put him in because of The Rock. Mae Young, Eddie Graham, Gordon Soley and the Briscoe Brothers. That's not class. It's a good class, but it's not as strong as 2007 or 2005. No, and the main one for that is Flair. Yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. It, it, when, and when you look at like the the top people that what you would consider the main inductees, I mean, there's 2011, not a bad class. You know, I mean, definitely a. a a wide variety of players there. Yeah. To me, 2012 is a very weak class other than the Four Horsemen. I remember that one. I remember thinking, like, wow, this... I remember thinking what a weak class that was. It gets weaker as it goes on. Um, Because you're getting more guys that are kind of, like... Uh, are just kind of getting put in there for the hell of it, really. 2013 ain't bad. Uh, I just saw that. San Martino, Foley, Backlund, Trish Stratus, Booker T, Donald Trump. Fourteen yeah. ain't bad either. No, listen, and none of them, none of them are terrible classes. Like, there's guys in there that like uh, that are very well deserved, 
the, the Hall of Fame, though, is very... Now that McMahon's gone, it might get a little better. But, like, the one I've been pining for for years is Demolition Ain't There. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, uh, nope, never mind. I thought Judge was going to hit a 61st home run. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, but Demolition is the one that's just so sorely missed out of there. And why they haven't been inducted yet is just beyond me. Um... Because they always put a tag team in every year. Like, Har- Harlem Heat, great WCW tag team, but they never competed together in WWF. Um, what was 2001? There was no tag team. They just kind of, I don't know. Demolition should have been there years ago, and they haven't. I'm afraid it's going to be too late by the time they do enter, like a lot of these guys that have passed away. Um, now, for demolition not getting in there, did they ever have any problems with yeah. McMahon? Um, so after the whole Benoit thing, there was a huge class action lawsuit about concussions. And pretty much anyone who wasn't really getting paid at the time, like a lot of guys hopped on this to kind of get a payday. And Demolition were two of the guys that hopped on. There was a lot of guys that kind of came on. That's been long dismissed. Um, so I don't know. I mean, again, there's guys who've had such bad... Rick Rude went in there finally a couple years ago after years of people just wanting him in. Um, I'm trying to look at who else. Uh, Ultimate Warrior, who's had a very uh, controversial... Um, past with WWF he's and uh, Bischoff uh, so a lot of guys who've done wrong by you know WWE standards in the past have got all gotten in but they're like the they're probably the last guys who should be in who should who, who aren't in yet so I'm kind of hoping maybe this year they'll be in but I don't know well that's the other thing too the way that wrestling has become where the belts change hands seemingly every other month, if not sooner, you're watering down the championships. Where guys in the past held it for years. Yeah. Which made it a lot more, you, you had a lot more uh, prestige. Yeah. Now it's just. Well, Roman, Roman Reigns is, uh, he's had, well, he has two the two world titles. The one. The universal title he's held for about two over two years now, and oh, okay. the, the WWF one that he won he just won at WrestleMania. So that so he's probably he's the longest running. If you want to count the universal title, it's a very new championship that's been introduced a couple years ago. As like the Raw World Title, that's uh, so he's like the longest running world champion probably since Hogan, because no one's held it longer than a year since. Uh, CM Punk did it a couple, like maybe ten years ago. He held it for a year, um, but other than that, like a long title reign like that is so, so rare. And yeah. and, and 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 you know what it is like. It's it's a lot different now than it was. You have paper. You had four pay per views a year. You didn't have a, sh- a live show every week. Now you have two live shows a week. You have a pay per view every month. It's a different atmosphere. 
Um, so they and sometimes they'll do a title change to like boost ratings or whatnot, and that didn't exist back then. So I sort of see it, but at the same time, a lot of these titles, like the Intercontinental title, the U.S. title, the tag titles, even the world title at one point, it changed hands so many times that it's become so watered down that no one gives a shit. Um, And I'll give Triple H, you know, Triple H, for anyone who's been paying attention to wrestling, I'm probably one of the few people who (laughs) who, uh, are fans of the show. He's, he's trying to restore that, and he's been featuring those two titles every week in title defenses and building up whoever's the champion. So he's, he's doing a pretty decent job of it. Um, so hopefully I'll continue. But in the last 20 years, I'd say, like, a lot of these those secondary titles have become very watered down. And it's especially with these, the brand split where you have two rosters on two different shows... And you have two world titles, so there's more to fight for, I guess. And no one gives a shit about those secondary titles anymore. So, he, but he's they actually there was actually a great intercontinental title between um, Sheamus and this guy. He used to be called Walter. Now he's called Gunther. Um, he's a big Austrian dude, and I, he's he's probably one of my favorites right now. But he's the intercontinental title holder. And they had a match at the last pay-per-view where they just kind of beat the shit out of each other. And it's it's probably, a lot of people are saying it's probably like the match of the year. Um, so, yeah, so if you could find it out there, if you have Peacock, I would highly recommend going back and watching it. It's a great match. Like, I even, I sat and watched it, and I watched, like, every second. It was just a fantastic match. So they're, they're, they're starting to rebuild those titles, which I'm very happy about. Because the Intercontinental title, like, I love the Intercontinental title had such great holders for it years ago and I feel like um, that prestige has been lost so I'm kind of hoping like that kind of gets elevated a little bit so so yeah I mean they definitely need to get maybe old is new again get it back where it was and I think for someone like me who has been out of the game for 20 years now, that might draw me back in. I would, yeah, I, I, I think it should. If you know, you, even with Peacock, watching the library, I instead of watching the new stuff and trying to keep up with that, I'd rather go and watch the old stuff. Yeah, and I, I do too. Like If I'm out here and I have nothing to watch, I'll pop on an old episode of Primetime Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Just, to, just to watch Monsoon and Heenan. Go back and forth with each other. Um, oh yeah, it's just it's just a it's a lost art on uh, yeah. just chemistry and just how better it was back then, where like you didn't have so much filler. Um, and uh, for anyone who's a fan of wrestling, if you're pretty new to it, or if you like, if you stepped away from WWF. Um, I think now it's a great time to, to be a fan of pro wrestling. You got a lot of stuff out there, and, and everything's pretty good lately. So, check it out. Uh, and with that, follow us on Twitter, Bullring PC, Instagram, Bullring PC, Facebook under Joe Tom. You can find us on Podbean, Podcoin, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Music. 
hit the subscribe button and rate and review us so other people can find us. And Tom, do you have anything to add before we go? Uh, good luck this week in fantasy football. Yeah, good luck to you too. When do we play each other? <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll have some uh, pomp and circumstance for that as well. Okay. Maybe I mean, a little trash talking. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know when we. Uh, it might be a while. Let me see. Let me take a quick look at this and see when I. Oh, week. Week five, so it's coming up. It's coming up very quick. <laughs> it, it's coming up. We'll have to make a little side bet. Yes. <laughs> I mean, let's see if uh, Derrick Henry does well. Yeah. <laughs> well, he'll, he'll get hurt in week four. Uh, knock on wood. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, I am Joe. I'm Tom. And we'll see you next time right here on Bulls of the Rest. The time, the place.